0: Okay, let's hook up Clive, who's going to come talk to us today. So here he is, Mr. Chernick. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Bless you. Thank you. Okay. Okay, great. Great to be with you. And um, we are going to continue in our theme called the Forgotten Arts, so do you remember last week, um, I don't know if the song has made it to Nashville, Tennessee by now, we're singing What You learnt as a new song together if you were here last week, it was very, very funny, and we made it, we got to a a great worship song, short though it was, we had a fun time together on January the first. This is, as uh, was said at the beginning of this meeting, Um, really the first full day that we're back together first full Sunday of 2023 How are you feeling? The year is stretching ahead of you I wonder what it will bring to all of us What we decided to do as an eldership was to make sure that we put prayer front and centre so instead of having A week of prayer like kind of tuesday to friday or wednesday to friday or monday to friday or whatever we try and make it so that we can get as many people together as possible so we're going to go for three wednesdays in a row starting this coming wednesday and i want to bring to you some an extraordinary passage of scripture that is going to whet your appetite for prayer again and we've been feasting um, probably not a lot of fasting fasting goes with prayer Uh, but here we are we are here to engage with God for all that he wants to do in Eastbourne right through this year. So I hope you're gonna come on this journey with us because we want as many people together collectively to pray over this great town that we live in. Okay, so it's called The Forgotten Arts. I don't think we've forgotten prayer. I think prayer is very much in our DNA as a church. Uh, Perhaps fasting is a forgotten art over Christmas, but uh, we need to think about how fasting adds intentionality to our prayers. I'll talk a very little bit about fasting today, uh, but I do want to talk about how prayer is uh, the thing which is going to bring us together to see God do something beautiful and fresh in 2023. So if you've got a Bible with you, or you can check the screen, can you turn to Genesis 18? Um, I've been mulling over what I want to say about prayer for a few weeks now and um, I've been listening to sermons and reading books and so on. There's so many great books on prayer, aren't there? Ian Bounds' Principles of Prayer, they're uh, Praying Hyde, there uh, George Muller's Prayers. But actually what I really want to do is to talk about the urgency of prayer for other people because you've got people that you're longing for. You've got neighbours that you want to see come to be blessed by God. We've got this town to reach. So really my, I want to, us to think about how we are to stand in the gap as the mobilised soldiers here at Kings Eastbourne to pray intentionally for God to do something that we've never seen before in our church in this year. I want a rise of faith to expect God to do something on our impassioned prayers. So this is serious stuff. And I've got a fab scripture passage for you. I was hearing an amazing Serbian pastor pray. This is based in the Balkans. It's kind of Muslim, Christian area. And um, it reminded me of my days in the Middle East. So let's read it, shall we? Genesis 18. I'm going to pick it up at uh, verse 16. This is the uh, uh, very tense time when God is going to destroy the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. But interestingly... Uh, Having blessed Abraham in the first part of this chapter, he then goes on to talk about his judgment. So we have a holy God we're dealing with this morning. And it seems that he's drawing Abraham into his purposes, just as he's drawing you and me into his purposes for this town and for our family and for our friends. So let's pick it up in verse 16. And um, I've got this book next to me. It's called Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes. Let me give you a book plug. This is a great book by Kenneth Bailey, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. And this is such a Middle Eastern passage. Some of you will know that I spent some nearly 10 years living in the Middle East. And I picked this up and I have to laugh when I read this passage because it reminds me so much of my days when I tried to buy things. I'll come to that in a moment. So if, you, if you've got an Amazon voucher or a, oh no, some people might wanna use Amazon, but whatever voucher you've got, I recommend that book to you, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. Okay, check it out with me. Verse 16. When these mysterious men, three of them, it's actually the Lord God and maybe a couple of angels, I don't know, I'm not sure. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. It's just been, he's been blessed with that earlier. And all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they've done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom. Uh-oh, it's, the tension is racking up. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. That's an important verse. Then Abraham approached him, approached God, and said, will you sweep away the righteous for the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will you not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, (sighs) probably sighed, all right, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, good stance, Abraham, before God, nice phrase. What if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? "'Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five people?' "'If I find 45 people there,' he said, "'I will not destroy it.'" Once again, he spoke to him. "'What if only 40 people are found?' He said, "'For the sake of 40, I will not do it.'" And then he said, "'May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak.'" "'What if only 30 can be found there?' He answered, "'I will not do it if I find 30, uh, find 30 there.'" Abraham said, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. And then he said, (laughs) it's called pushing your luck, okay, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more, what if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. Many a time when I was living in Dubai and Doha, I would go down to the creek or down to the water's edge. There were lots and lots of souks, Arabian markets. And uh, (laughs) I used to thoroughly enjoy going down to buy things for the flat that that I'd just rented. Uh, in a a very Indian Filipino district and shopkeepers would stand in the doorway of their little bit of the souk and part of the market and they'd say, where are you from, my brother? Some of you are smiling already because you've been to these places and you know what's coming. Oh, uh, where are you from? I said, I'm I'm from uh, England. Oh, I've got a brother in England. Yeah, we know. And the whole kind of sales patter would start to take place. And then he would say, I'll give you best price. And, uh, say, uh, and a guy walks past me wearing a T-shirt with Diesel on it, but Diesel is spelled D-E-I-S-E-L. It's a knockoff, okay? Or you find that you want to buy this, uh, what is described as a genuine fake, right? Whatever one of those is. You want genuine fake Rolex? I buy. I give you best price for. What's a genuine fake Rolex? I check the Rolex out, and the second hand is going anti-clockwise. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what is this stuff? But, <laughs> but it's haggling and what you've just read now is a whole story about haggling and it's not very British because you have got used to paying for what's on the ticket but for 10 years of my life I never lived like that unless I went to the really posh shopping malls and looked at the Gucci handbags and thought, actually they didn't even have a price on them so they wouldn't scare you but most things in the posh shops had a price on them and so when the guy offers you something, you actually ask the question, so how much? And then judging on your nationality, a variety of answers will come back to you. You know what I'm saying, don't you? And so here in Genesis 18, we have a very Middle Eastern event, which is why I plugged that book for you at the beginning. Put on your Middle Eastern glasses, will you please, dear church? We need to put Middle Eastern glasses on for this Wednesday night, because we're gonna haggle with God. Abraham actually isn't really haggling. This is serious, intentional, risky, bold prayer of an impudent, cheeky human being before the living, holy, righteous God. And we need to pay some very serious attention to this passage because you're called to hone your skills in haggling with God. It's kind of a spectacle, haggling. I used to watch some of the less-trained British tourists in Dubai starting, and they give in too easily. You know, when the guy gives a little bit of concession, it's just to tease you so you still pay this really high price. It's a choreographed conversation. It's a lot of fun, actually. We're we're really uncomfortable with it. Who are you hardliners who like to haggle? Just put your hands up if you like it. One or two like a good bargain. Good. Right, you're coming to the prayer meeting, Colin Belsie. Right, okay, so... So, I mean, I remember when I came back from the Middle East, I'd, I'd pull up in a petrol station. I look at the prices of petrol, and where I come from, Coca Cola is more expensive than petrol. And so I fill my car up with about 70 quid's worth of petrol. I go into the garage to the cashier, so he says, 70 quid please. Well, I'm not paying that. <laughs> I tried it out just for fun. I said, Oh, sorry, I'm not going to pay that. It's far too expensive. that's where I come from. We don't pay that sort of price for petrol. I'll give you 50 quid. And the guy, he just kind of looked at me. <laughs> I paid 70. Of course I did. Of course I did. God says in verse 17 this, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? And it sets up a challenge immediately. God is setting up a situation for Abraham. He said it out loud, oops, I just revealed what's on my heart. You've heard it now Abraham, what are you gonna do about it? He's saying basically enter into this situation with me. I'm treating you as my friend. I'm treating you in confidence. I want you to know what's on my mind. I'm inviting you to engage with me. It's about matters of life and death and judgment. And suddenly this thing gets serious. And we can be hoodwinked and thinking it's not really serious out there, oh yes it is. Behind the closed doors of these houses in Eastbourne and the borough and beyond, there are all sorts of serious, wicked things going on that are damaging and hurting people and destroying lives. And this is going to become a real prayer on Abraham's part, interceding for people with seriousness and earnestness. Because, the, I mean, it says it, what we've just read, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is so grievous that God is going to destroy those cities. And the next key verse is verse 22. The angels, the men, I'm not sure who they are, these mysterious visitors, turned away and went towards Sodom. Sodom's destruction is imminent. But then verse 22 also says this, and please hear this now, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. He's in the gap. He didn't go back into his tent. And this God is saying to the men of the Middle East and to the men of the Near East and to the men of the West and to the men of the South and the women of the North and at all compass points, he's saying this, haggle me down. You're called to stand before the Lord in the gap to plead for this town and its people. You're called to haggle with God for their very lives. We've been given this chapter to show that God is willing to be haggled down. It beggars belief. I think this is one of the most extraordinary passages of scripture. I do not really understand much about prayer. I mean, for me to kickstart... The Forgotten Arts on Prayer, it's a joke because what do I know about prayer? All I know is that somehow the more I pray, the more I get coincidences. Somehow God's woven the stuff of my life together so I'm still standing and I'm still going forward and I've got a burning fire in my heart. Somehow prayer's part of that. It's what we said earlier, it's about conversation. We were praying earlier at nine o'clock. It's about talking to God, it's utterly natural. It's not stylized, it's raw, it's real. It's your heart engaging with God's heart, and He's drawing you into His heart here in this chapter. We've got to get into this drama. Here's a man standing in God's presence. We've got to get into Abraham's shoes in prayer, or actually take our shoes off in prayer, as they do at the entrance to the mosque. And notice that Abraham. Is scared because he's trying to haggle God down from sparing Sodom if fifty righteous people are found, down to sparing Sodom if ten righteous people are found. Now, why does he risk God's anger? You know, he's 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 in this little kind of prayer dance with God. He's risking God's anger because of Lot, his family's in Sodom. He's got family, his nephew, the daughters, he's got family living in a place that God's going to destroy. Abraham's own wider family. And so he's reminding him that yes, Sodom is a wicked city, but there are some good people who are there. And I don't want them to be destroyed. His family. And so by standing in the gap, he's putting himself in a risky place with God. So that's why he says in verse 32, may the Lord not be angry, but let me just speak once more. What if only 10 can be found there? But the the genius of this is that Abraham intrinsically understands that God is susceptible to this. He knows that that God is, uh, is being drawn into his haggling and that somehow Abraham gets it that if God is willing to be haggled right down, that God's hand of mercy is willing to reach even the most wicked, depraved people. Now hear that. If you've given up on your neighbour, you've given up on your family, you've given up on that broken relationship, you've given up on that dark situation that you don't seem to be able to do anything about, the mercy of God can still reach it. Sodom and Gomorrah, he can reach with mercy. Isn't it amazing? So Abraham knows kind of what what to do when God says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm gonna do? It's like God saying this to Abraham. He's saying, Abraham, you've got a responsibility to step up to this challenge now. I've uttered that question out loud, deliberately, so that you would hear it. And and it's now, I'm watching your response. And he's saying the same thing to us here in Kings. Shall I hide from Kings Church what I'm going to do in this town? In other words, Kings, are you going to stand alone before me and intercede for this city? Are you going to stand in the gap? Now that you've heard me say, shall I hide what I'm going to do in Eastbourne, for instance? What are you going to do? The evil done in these streets and homes will come under my judgment, says God. You now can't do nothing. You've heard my heart. You've read Genesis 18. It's time to get angry at the brokenness of and the darkness and the evil. It's time to haggle God down. It's time to spare the people that you love and long for from righteous judgment in all their rebellion and the things that they're saying, turning away from God. You are the offspring of Abraham. You're his seed. You know that from reading other bits of scripture that Abraham is the father of our faith. Of all those who believe in God, it is credited to us as righteousness. Abraham was the father of our faith. You've sung the blessing song during lockdown over Eastbourne with that superb video that still blesses every time I look at it. I get a lump in my throat every time see Sam's video. I mean, every time I look at that video when during lockdown, you remember it, that fabulous song. Doesn't it still break your heart? And driving through the streets and feeling that burden for the town? So here's a question for you. Why did Abraham stop at ten people? Have you asked yourself that question? If you're winning at haggling, you don't just stop when the other person said, Okay, I'm happy at that price. Imagine you're going to buy a car, okay? So you see a nice, shiny new car, I don't know, like a Ford. Focus, first car that comes to mind. Okay, so you see a nice second-hand Ford Focus. And you think, right, you see the price tag's £5,000. So you go to the car dealer. He's expecting you to haggle. Why is it with just cars we're prepared to haggle and not much else? Can someone answer that? (laughs) No, I can't answer We can haggle on cars, but we can't haggle on much else. So you see the Ford Focus, you say... Five thousand quid? Mm, not sure about that. I'll tell you what. I'll give you, and you risk it. I'll give you three thousand for it. The car dealer says to your complete surprise, "Okay then." I've just knocked two thousand quid off that car. You cowboy! How much was that car really worth? Okay. And then you, you, so you say, "Well, all right then. Okay, I'll try my luck a bit further." Well, what about, um, what about if I just give you, um, I don't know, two thousand pounds? And the car dealer says, "Yeah. All right then." I'll give it to you for 2,000. Then you suddenly realise, I'm on to a winner here. You don't just stop there, do you? You keep going. So you say, tell you what, you pay me a 1,000 pounds to take that rust bucket away, okay? You might, you might say that. The point is that Abraham stops at 10. He doesn't, he doesn't, he quits while he's ahead, if I could put it crassly like that. Why not? Because there wasn't one righteous person in Sodom apart from his family. There wasn't one. He stops at ten because there are none righteous in Sodom and the Bible backs it up saying we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. There isn't anyone who's righteous in the city. But the amazing thing is that God is prepared to show mercy anyway. I'll I'll show mercy if you can find Abraham doesn't dare go there one righteous person in the city Abraham doesn't dare do that he stops because he knows in his heart you ain't going to find anyone but God's great love and mercy can find anyone if you need it today you can find it here in this building before you leave if you're feeling you're really struggling and you're in a really dark place his mercy can come to you his grace can find you but we we Dear friends, have some haggling to do. Fast forward to AD 30. There was one righteous person in the city. There was one who was so pure and righteous living amongst us. And God will forgive wickedness and save us because there is one righteous man whom God will listen to. He will save the city. He will save the world and his name is Jesus. And he will save us. Why is that? This is now a very Middle Eastern idea. Put your Middle Eastern glasses back on. God will save the city because he listens to his son on whose behalf we pray. So the second half of this is all about praying in the name of Jesus. It's so powerful. We kind of tritely put it at the end of our grace before we eat our meal or we in the name of Jesus, Amen. little afterthought, but actually this is dynamite, praying in the name of Jesus. Why is this so Middle Eastern? God is deeply affected because of his love for his son. If you pray in the name of God's holy son, praying in the name of Jesus touches God's honour. Now, honour is a very Middle Eastern value. It's often misunderstood as pride here. Honour is far bigger and more noble an idea than pride. God loves his son and has given him the place of highest honour. And so in a strange way, if I can put it this way, God is not ashamed to answer our cheeky prayers because of the value he places on his son as we pray in his son's name, if I can put it that way. If you approach him using his son's honourable name, name you do not dishonour God. Very Middle Eastern. I had to learn... To use that, there's a rich Arabic word which I've used in some some preachers before called wasta. and Wasta in Arabic means favor or influence. And to get anything done, it's not what you know, it's who you know usually if you do business in the Middle East. And Arab culture, and I, I love this about Arab culture, understands honor. This isn't some overweening pride. This is respect and honor due to someone of nobility. Someone who's honorable, has earned that honor and so I would, I would, if I wanted favours, I wanted a book somewhere for our church to meet, I would say I come in the name of, and I usually have someone who's like a fixer whose name was more honourable than, who am I? I'm just a guy from Eastbourne who's trying to build an international church. I use someone else's name to get the favour, the waster that I need. Now, each one of us has got our own version of Lot and his family that we're called to pray for. And this is a call to, right at the start of this year, to say, I'm not giving up on these things I'm praying about. I'm not giving up. Did you realise this? This is a, a profound truth from scripture that Paul talks about in Acts chapter 17. He says that God placed you in the right century in the family that you're in At such a time as this, you're in the right place at the right time. God's sovereign purpose places you where you are now. You're not in Eastbourne by accident. You might feel you are, but you're not. And he therefore wants you to be the blessing right where you are. This isn't haphazard. So each one of us has been deliberately placed by God in a community to stand in the gap, like Abraham had to for Sodom, you and I have to for this place. So each of you has been placed in this church, in this town, in this nation, by God, it's his sovereign choice, and he's gonna make you a blessing through your prayers. And those prayers are gonna be prayed through the amazing name of his son, Jesus. And God finds that name irresistible. God predetermined that you would live in the street that you live in. Do you dare to believe that? Nothing's haphazard in this life, but you're not automated, you're not programmed robots. Somehow he works his freedom for you, but somehow he's clever enough to get you in the right place at the right time. So don't just finish your prayers in Jesus' name. Put on your Middle Eastern glasses and say this. I'll just read this out to you from my notes. I come to you, great and glorious Father, in the name of your wonderful Son. I know that in some strange way, you are a. Can I say this to God? You are obliged to listen because I have invoked Jesus's beautiful name, and I know now that when I invoke your, the Son that you have placed with highest honour above all other names. If I come in that name, you're susceptible to my prayers and that you will not be dishonoured by my cheeky prayers because I've implored you humbly. Maybe I've been fasting. Let me put a quick word in about fasting. Jesus says when you fast, not if you fast. Fasting adds an intentionality to our prayers. I don't like fasting. I did some this week. I'm not meant to tell you that because it's meant to be secret. I found it really difficult, but it added an intentionality to my prayers. Do you know what it did to me? It humbled me. It made me feel, oh, I I started to go towards the fridge door. No, don't go there. I was hungry. I wanted to, and I found myself humbled before God, and I'm finding it added this intentionality, this fervency to my prayers. I don't like it but it is necessary at times, if you want to get serious with God to say, I'm gonna go without food. You know, some people do a complete fast of food and water for two or three days. That's quite dangerous, I think. You know, if you are gonna fast, check that medically you're okay to do it. But fasting is something that doesn't gain God's favor. You've got that already. What it does is it gains ground in prayer. So when was the last time you fasted? And I. And for me I'm thinking, well I haven't done it enough and that's because I think, God, don't don't call me lukewarm. Please don't call me lukewarm, God. Please don't say you'd come on, Clive, you're neither hot nor cold about this issue. My heart is burning and I want to share this with you. And there you are, complacently humming along with kinda, you know, <laughs> trivial prayers. And I believe with all my heart that God is gonna put a burden an uncomfortable burden on us. But it's a beautiful burden of love for people. And we are called now to fight because we're, we're not here for ourselves. You know that. Here's a quote uh, from the, the Serbian pastor that I, who I listened to recently. When the righteous church comes praying in a righteous name with righteous requests, to a righteous God, then impossible things will happen. So if you're going to ask in Jesus' name, is somehow, if I dare say this, a little bit insulting to come to him for small things? (laughs) I have prayed the car parker's prayer. (laughs) Oh, I see that everybody else has. And sometimes it's actually quite important to do so because you've got to get somewhere by a certain time. And actually, it's pretty urgent. But <laughs> let's commit to pray this year for really big things, huge things that blow your socks off. Huge things. We have, yes, you prayed, and yes, the bus did come on time. Hallelujah. But we've got 120,000 people out there who need God. And I, hear me now, I'm nearly finished. We're just going to pray in a moment. I think we're simply far too polite in our prayers. Abraham really risked it. I don't know if he picked up that he was getting more and more nervous as he haggled God down. Because he realised, you know, I'm standing before the God of the universe. Who do I think I am? He had a right standing before him. He realised what he was doing was risky. God could have said, get out of here. I'll do what I will do. But somehow... Here's a little secret about God. It is incredibly susceptible to your prayers. Why have you given up? It's time to stir things up. It's time to, to cry. Now I've got a bit of... Um, I've got a bit of European blood in me, but I'm, I'm, I, I, think, I think in a former life, I was probably dug up somewhere in Italy about 2,000 years ago. <laughs> I think I'm Etruscan in a former life. This is all completely heretical, right? Don't, they say, but I've got a bit of Italiano in my blood. I like a Italiano. I love it. Italy, it's my favourite country. Well, amongst many other favourite countries. But listen, if, you're, <laughs> if you are gonna really feel impassioned about your prayers, you're gonna cry tears. You're gonna beg. God. You're going to get angry with God. You're going to haggle him down. You're going to bang on the door. You're going to shout. You're going to weep. You're going to lose your inhibitions in prayer. We've got such a long way to go. We're in the shallows in some respects. Not, not, you know, we've, we've had some very intense times of prayer, but they're coming back. We have to get God's attention because he wants us to get his attention. And I like that word that Abraham uses, and I'll close on this one, it's this. It's the word surely. Did you notice that? Surely you won't bring your judgment upon this city for the sake of some righteous people. Surely you won't let this happen, God. God wants you to use the word surely. Surely you won't do that. Surely you will bless surely you won't allow this and this is very Middle Eastern again surely you won't allow this to shame your name that's, that's alien to us That we don't quite get that we're, we're right wrong culture you did that wrong but in the Middle East and other parts of the world it's shame honour don't bring shame upon me because actually it's all about character and character is the key thing here so for our prayers and let me just say this now we're going to we're going to be like that, like the family coming together you get all sorts of different prayers coming. When we come on Wednesday night, we want to see as many as possible here. And we're going to have all sorts of crazy prayers. People are going to be raw, people are going to be quiet, people are going to be noisy, people are going to be weeping for people they love, people will going to be interceding. And, and somehow Jesus takes all these prayers And it's like he puts them into this incense bowl in heaven and the incense comes up to God's, the fragrance of your prayers come to him. It's all there in Revelation and he smells, he says, I will move on the prayers of the saints. Surely, surely you will, Lord. Whatever else you've heard this morning, let us, this become a house of prayer. Do you know what? Let me say something really radical. I thought the worship there was absolutely outstanding. Again, I'm so blessed to be in this church with what we've got here on the stage and the, the, the wonders of this place. But you know what? If you just came here and there was no music and you came with your heart full and the Holy Spirit orchestrated your prayers, that would be an astonishing meeting. That you weren't helped by the music. The music is such a help to worship. But if it wasn't there... You come together, you say, Lord, here we are. If you go back to things like the Azusa Street Revival and the Hebridean Revival, actually there wasn't, this is not to tell the band to take a week off next week, but very often there's no music. They came into the meetings and the presence of God was so strong in revival that the Holy Spirit was just doing this. He was making sure that all that was prayed was prayed through the Holy Spirit to the Father's heart. It wasn't, it wasn't about worship songs it was about the church coming together and praying and then, then if you've read the Azusa Street Revival like the stuff that happened there with limbs growing you know, legs growing like, like not, just, not just one leg shorter than another but actual man born without an arm the, the arm comes out of his shoulder you read the stuff for yourself oh father come on and he's saying to you and me haggle me down So, should we stand together? Right, it's time for each one of us to be alone with God, like Abraham was. You're alone with God right now, not the person standing next to you. What are you going to do about this? there is a righteous person in the city and he went to Golgotha and he's wonderful and he's going to save this town through our prayers don't give up on your wayward child mum and dad don't you dare give up on your husband wife don't you dare give up on your wife husband don't you dare give up on the people that have been placed in your family they've been placed in your family for the very reason that you will pray for them Why have you given up? It's beautiful. We have a ministry, dear church. So let's just be quiet now. Now you make your prayer to God. What are you going to do about this? We're calling people to pray three Wednesdays in a row. What are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? If you need mercy this morning, you feel you're in a you're in a wicked city. Just stretch out your hands to God and say, Lord, can I have your mercy, please? I come empty-handed. I need help. Just if you feel you can, just put out your hand and say, Lord, please come to me. Bring mercy to me and my family. Bring grace and love. Sorry that I've given up on you, Lord. For that one that I love, that person that exasperates me, winds me up so much, and I despair of them, I pray again. Come, Middle Eastern God. God of the whole earth God of the west, the east, the north and the south come amongst us Lord and turn us into those prayer soldiers who will pray in line with the righteous God with righteous requests count me amongst them Lord I'll be there I love this town I love what you're doing here in Sussex. I love the fact that it's going from Eastbourne through Sussex to the whole world. You're global. Thank you that what I'm involved in is global. Come on, Lord, lift my eyes to see huge visions of what you can do. The impossible becoming reality. Thank you, Lord.